part two chapter five of bessie's fortune by mary jane holmes this librivox recording is in the public domain five at penryn park when three years after that summer mrs captain smithers of penryn park middlesex invited mr and mrs archibald macpherson to spend a few weeks at her handsome country house and meet the honourable john macpherson and his wife the lady jane she did it in perfect faith and with entire confidence in daisy as a matron of immaculate principles and spotless reputation she had met her the previous winter at a pension in florence where daisy who was suffering from a severe cold on her lungs played the role of an interesting invalid and seldom went out except for a short walk in the warmest part of the day and only appeared in the parlour in the evening where she made a lovely picture seated in a large easy-chair with her pretty blue wrapper and her shawl of soft white wool wrapped around her the guests of the house were mostly americans who had never heard of daisy and knew nothing of monte carlo or lord hardy and only saw her a devoted wife and mother and wondered vaguely how she could ever have married that long lank lazy englishman who had neither life nor spirit in him and whom they thought a monster because he never seemed the least concerned when his lovely little wife coughed the hardest and could scarcely speak aloud that was the english of him they said and they set upon poor archie behind his back and tore his reputation as a husband into shreds and said he neglected his sick wife shamefully and in consequence they were kinder and more attentive to her and her room was full of flowers and fruit and bottle of port wine and sherry and mrs captain smithers who fully shared the opinions of her american cousins took the beautiful invalid to drive with her and made much of her and thought her the most charming person she had ever met and ended as daisy meant she should by inviting her to spend the month of august at penryn park you will meet some very pleasant people she said and i shall be glad to introduce you to them i shall ask lady jane macpherson and her husband it is a shame you have never met them lady jane is rather peculiar but a very good woman and you ought to know her this the kind-hearted and not very far-seeing mrs smithers said because she had received the impression that the macphersons of london slighted the macphersons of stoneleigh not so much for their poverty as for the fact that daisy's family was not equal to their own and this i think very absurd she said to daisy i belong to the mercantile world for my father is a liverpool merchant and at first smithers mothers and sisters were inclined to treat me coolly though they are very friendly now so you see my dear i know how it feels not to be in perfect accord with one's family and i mean to do my best for you i shall bring you and lady jane together she is sure to like you thank you daisy said i hope she may for bessie's sake she could be of use to her in the future but if you please do not tell her she is to meet me or she may decline your invitation very well was mrs smithers reply i will say nothing about you and so without mentioning all her expected guests mrs smithers asked lady jane to visit her in august and that lady who had twice before enjoyed the hospitalities of penryn park accepted readily with no suspicion that the woman whom she detested more than any creature in the world was to be there also the house at penryn park was very large and commodious with a wing on either side of the main building and in these wings were situated the sleeping-rooms for guests a wide hall divided the main part and on the second floor were two large airy chambers opposite each other with dressing-room and bathroom and alcove for bed attached and the whole fitted up elegantly these rooms were usually given to the most honoured guests those who rejoiced in titles and on the occasions of her former visits at penryn lady jane had occupied one and her bosom friend old lady oakley the other 
but this time there was a change and when lady oakley arrived with her maid and her poodle dog and her ear trumpet for she was very deaf she was assigned a room in one of the wings her hostess telling her apologetically that she had thought it well to put the macphersons together as they would thus get on better and she was so anxious for lady jane to like mrs archie the sweetest most amiable of women lady oakley who knew that every apartment at penrind was like a palace cared little where she was put and settled herself in her quarters the evening before the london macphersons were expected daisy had been there a week or more for she was prompt to the day their funds were very low they were owing seven pounds for lodgings in london besides various bills to the greengrocer the drygrocer the milkman and the baker and had barely enough to pay for their second-class tickets from london i don't know what we are going to do archie said when alone with his wife in the beautiful room over which daisy had gone into ecstasies exclaiming as she seated herself in a luxurious easy-chair why archie we are housed like princes we have never been in a place like this i wish we were to stay longer than a month i mean to manage somehow for an extension a low growl was the only sound from archie who was busy brushing off the dust gathered on the journey say isn't it nice she continued and then coming into the room and wiping his face with the towel as he came archie replied nice enough yes but i don't know what we are going to do when we have to leave here i tell you it makes a chap feel mighty mean not to have a shilling in his pocket and that's just my case how much have you twenty shillings was daisy's reply but never mind trust me to fill the purse somehow i have an idea so don't look so glum and let us enjoy the present but i can't archie replied i cannot enjoy myself feeling all the time that we are living upon other people and accepting invitations we can never return in short we are nothing but impostors both of us he spoke savagely and turned to re-enter his dressing-room in the door of which bessie stood with her great blue eyes fixed wonderingly and sadly upon him she had heard all the conversation and there was a troubled look on her face as she said what is an impostor papa what does it mean it means he answered that we impose upon people every hour of our lives passing ourselves off for what we are not people suppose we have money when we haven't a shilling to spare and owe everybody besides i see it means we are shams and not real bessie said and her bright face was overclouded with an expression pitiful to see in one so young this was the macphersons first day at penryn park but the little passage at arms did not at all dim daisy's sky something would turn up she knew and at dinner something did turn up for mrs smithers mentioned to archie that her husband had fallen in with a young irish lord who had been for a day or two at the pension in florence and remembering how intimate he was with mr macpherson he had invited him to spend a week at penryn park and the young man had accepted and would arrive the tenth there was a gleam of triumph in daisy's eyes as they met her husband's the presence of lord hardy meant money for she had only to lament her poverty and talk of burying herself at stoneleigh and instantly the generous irishman would insist upon relieving her present needs it is only a loan you can pay me some time when your ship comes in and really i have more than i know what to do with this was always lord hardy's argument to which daisy yielded and went on piling up the debt which she insisted would be paid in some way and her thoughts always turned to the old aunt in america through whom relief must some day come 
but archie knew better and their indebtedness to lord hardy filled him with shame just as daisy's intimacy with the young man filled him with disgust though he had perfect faith in the irishman whose worst fault was an open and hearty admiration for a married woman and to a certain extent he had faith in daisy who much as she might compromise her good name by flirtation would never break her marriage vow in the letter even if she did in spirit in a way she would be true to him always but the world did not know her as he did and he knew perfectly well how she was talked about and her frivolous conduct commented upon by such people as lady jane and her set but he could not help himself daisy was master and he submitted with a feeling of humiliation which showed itself upon his face and made him very quiet and ill at ease except when bessie was with him there was something about bessie which restored his self-respect and made a man of him bessie was his all and to himself he had made a vow that she should not follow in the footsteps of her mother i will kill her first he said with clenched fists and flashing eyes and daisy would never have known him could she have seen him when as was often the case he went over by himself what he would say to her if he ever got his courage up taking a chair for his auditor he would gesticulate fiercely and declare that he would not stand it any longer daisy macpherson he would say addressing himself to the chair i tell you what it is i am ashamed of myself and of you too and i am going to stop it and take you home and be master of my own house and if we cannot live on our small income you can take up your dead mother's trade and make dresses and by jove i'll help you too i'll keep the books and-and here he would stop not knowing exactly what else he would do for work was something to which he did not take kindly as the chair never offered any remonstrance no matter how savage he was he usually felt better and respected himself more after an attack upon it and there the battle ended for he had not the courage to deal thus with his wife who had ruled him too long to yield her sceptre now such was the condition of things between this ill-assorted pair when we find them at penrent park which so fully accorded with daisy's tastes that she at once determined to stay longer than a month even if she were not invited to extend her visit she had been at the park a week or more enjoying all the eclat of the favoured guest for mrs smithers infatuation was complete when it was announced at the breakfast-table that the honourable john macpherson with lady jane and neil would arrive that evening in time for dinner instantly archie's face flushed crimson for he had not seen his uncle since his marriage which had called forth a letter so angry in its tone that he had never answered it or sought for any further intercourse with his indignant relative daisy on the contrary was wholly unmoved veni vidi vici was her motto which had proved true in so many instances that she fancied she only had to meet the haughty lady jane face to face and conquer her also and yet she did feel a little nervous when as the hour for the train drew near she went to her room and commenced her toilet for dinner let me see she murmured they have undoubtedly heard that i am a brazen face and a minx and awfully extravagant and flashy in style so simplicity in dress and modesty of demeanour will best suit me now i must not wear my paste diamonds for though i've no idea lady jane can tell them from the real she would think them far too expensive for people in our circumstances and wonder how i got them so the false diamonds were put aside as was everything else which would awaken an inquiry as to its cost and a simple blue muslin was chosen with ruching at the neck and nothing on the sleeves which were rather wide and showed to good advantage the beautifully rounded arms and hands of which daisy was so proud her golden curls were gathered in a shining mass at the back of her head and fastened with a comb of pink coral lord hardy's gift when he was in naples with her 
at her throat she wore a blush rose and another in her belt with no jewellery of any kind except her wedding-ring and bessie's turquoise which she still appropriated nothing could be simpler than her whole dress and nothing more becoming for it gave her a sweet girlish look which she knew always produced an effect meanwhile the expected guests had arrived and daisy heard them in the hall as they took possession of the room opposite hers lady jane was very tired and hot and dusty for she had come from edinburgh that day and she glanced around her luxurious apartment with a feeling of comfort and relief as she issued her orders to her maid lydia and talked to her husband open the little trunk lydia and take out my pearl-coloured grenadine i cannot wear a heavy silk to-night and find my valenciennes fichu and my small diamonds i don't suppose there is any one in particular here unless it is lady oakley and she i presume has the room opposite this she did the last time we were here john we are really very comfortable mrs smithers knows how to keep up an attractive house and is a charming woman though of course not quite to the manner born was her father an ironmonger or what he was a wholesale merchant and worth a mint of money why he could buy out every macpherson and trevelyan in the united kingdom was john's reply and then with a little toss of her head lady jane began her toilet for it wanted but an hour of dinner there that will do for me i can finish the rest myself and now go to blanche's room and see to her and send neil to me she said to lydia when she was nearly dressed lydia obeyed and after she had gone lady jane said to her husband i hope mrs smithers will not object to blanche even if she was not invited i really could not leave her behind there was no reply from john who was busy in the dressing-room but a fresh young voice from the doorway answered her i think it was downright cheeky to bring her without an invitation with her giggling and her reallys and her yeses all she can say and her white eyebrows and tow hair she is not very ornamental even if she has ten thousand a year the speaker was neil macpherson the boy who on the fourth of july had been thrashed by grey gerald for his sneer at the american flag for his comments on american ladies he was a year older than grey with a dark handsome face a pleasant smile and winsome ways when he chose to be agreeable as a rule he was very good-natured and his manners were perfect for a boy of fifteen but there was in all he did or said an air of superiority as if he felt himself quite above the majority of his companions which indeed was the fact trained by his mother from infancy to consider the trevelyan blood the best in england outside the pale of royalty and the macpherson blood the best outside the peerage it was not strange that his good qualities and he had many should be warped and dwarfed and overshadowed by an indomitable pride and supreme selfishness which would prompt him at any time to sacrifice his best friend in behalf of his own interest and yet neil was generally a favourite for he was frank and obliging and good-humoured and very gentlemanly in his manner and quick to render the little attentions so gratifying to the ladies by whom he was held high in esteem as a patron boy he was the idol of his mother who saw no fault in him whatever and who had commenced already to plan for him a brilliant marriage or at least a marriage of money for her own income was not large and that of her husband's smaller still blanche trevelyan whom neil had designated as tow-haired and white-browed was her grand-niece and neil's second cousin and as heiress to ten thousand a year she might develop into a desirable parti notwithstanding her ordinary appearance now and so when the girl became an orphan lady jane offered to take charge of her and took her into the family as the daughter of the house though she never encouraged neil to think of her as a sister 
she was his cousin blanche and entitled to a great deal of forbearance and respect because of her money and because her mother had been the granddaughter of a duke neil called her cousin blanche and quarrelled with and teased her and made fun of her white eyebrows and said her feet were too big and her ankles too small and that on standing she always bent her knees to make herself look short for she was very tall and angular and awkward in every way wait till my cousin bessie grows up there's a beauty for you he had said to his mother on his return from stoneleigh where he had spent a few days the winter previous and greatly to the annoyance of his mother he talked constantly of the lovely child who had made so strong an impression upon him lady jane had heard much of daisy's exploits and as the stories concerning her were greatly exaggerated she looked upon her if not actually an abandoned woman as one whose good name was hopelessly tarnished and she never wished to see either her face or that of her child nor did she dream how near the enemy was to her only just across the hall in the room which she fully believed to be occupied by her friend old lady oakley from grosvenor square when her husband and neil went out as they did soon after the latter had expressed himself with regard to blanche and been sharply reproved they left the door ajar and she could hear the sound of footsteps in the room opposite where lady oakley was supposed to be making her toilet just as lady jane was making hers i believe i will go and see her she said to herself when her dressing was completed and she found she had a good fifteen minutes before the dinner hour and stepping across the hall she knocked at daisy's door daisy's first impulse was to call out entrez as she did on the continent her second to open the door herself which she did disclosing to the view of her astonished visitor not a fat red-faced dowager of seventy but a wonderful vision of girlish loveliness clad in simple muslin with a mischievous twinkle in the blue eyes which met hers so fearlessly i beg your pardon miss lady jane began stammeringly i thought this was lady oakley's room she is my friend i hope you will excuse me she continued as she detected the smothered mirth in daisy's eyes there is nothing to excuse daisy began in perfectly well-bred tones the mistake was natural lady oakley did occupy this room i believe but she is now in the north wing as mrs smithers kindly gave this room to me so that i might be near you that is if as i suppose you are lady jane macpherson and she looked steadily at her visitor who with a slight bridling of her long neck bowed in the affirmative never doubting that the young person before her was fully her equal notwithstanding the plainness of her dress every detail of which she took in at a glance and mentally pronounced perfect some poor earl's daughter whom mrs smithers has found she has a peculiar talent for making good acquaintances she thought just as daisy offered her hand which she involuntarily took but dropped it as if it had been a viper when the latter said then you are my aunt or rather my husband's aunt for i am mrs archibald macpherson and i am so glad to meet you had a bombshell exploded at lady jane's feet and struck her in the face she could not have been more astonished stepping quickly back from this claimant to her notice her face grew pale for an instant and then flushed with anger as she gasped you mrs archibald macpherson that that she did not say what but added what are you doing here visiting mrs smithers like yourself daisy replied with imperturbable gravity we were together in florence where i was sick and she was kind enough to like me and she invited me to spend this month with her so that i might meet archie's relatives whom she thought i ought to know and lady oakley thinks so too she came yesterday yes lady jane kept repeating as she retreated step by step till she stood in her own door with her eyes still fixed upon daisy who fascinated her in spite of her deeply rooted prejudice amounting almost to hatred 
the creature as she designated her was far prettier than she had supposed and might pass for a lady with those who knew nothing of her antecedents but then her reputation as a bold fast woman would it be safe or right to allow blanche whom she designed for neil to remain under the same roof with such a person was her first query still if mrs smithers who was a power in the social world notwithstanding her connection with trade had taken her up and lady oakley too perhaps it would be better not to make a scene and show her animosity too much she could be barely civil to the woman and cut her visit short on one pretext or another thus deciding she said meeting you so suddenly has surprised me very much mrs macpherson i hope your husband is well i knew him when a boy perhaps he is in the drawing-room i think i will go down as it is nearly dinner-time and bowing stiffly she went down the stairs every nerve quivering with insulted dignity and not quite certain whether she heard a smothered laugh or not from the room where daisy was shaking with laughter at what she termed the old cat's discomfiture nasty thing she said how she hates me and how little i care i hope i shan't let her spoil my fun i have the inside track and i mean to keep it thus deciding she too started for the drawing-room where the guests were assembling for dinner and where mrs smithers who was by nature rather officious and anxious to write everything was explaining to lady jane that she had invited mr and mrs archibald macpherson to meet her and was descanting upon the beauty and amiability of the latter whom her ladyship was sure to like a little too much of a coquette perhaps she said but so very pretty and piquant that she cannot help attracting admiration yes i know i have seen her i made her acquaintance in the upper hall lady jane answered coldly and this saved the embarrassment of an introduction when daisy at last appeared perfectly self-possessed and graceful and looking as lady jane unwillingly confessed to herself as innocent as a madonna meanwhile archie had sought his uncle resolved to have the awkwardness of their first meeting over before any prying eyes were upon them he found him alone and mustering all his courage went up to him and offered his hand as if nothing had ever occurred to separate them john macpherson had heard from his host that his nephew was there and was in a most perturbed state of mind on his wife's account rather than on his own she would be very indignant and perhaps do something rash he feared while for himself he wanted to see the boy whom he had always liked it was while he was thinking thus that archie came suddenly upon him in his surprise mr macpherson forgot everything except the young man standing so humbly before him with a look on his face and in his eyes like the brother dead years ago and who when dying had said be kind to archie extending both hands to his nephew he said archie by jove i am glad to see you i hope you are well though upon my word you don't look so and he glanced curiously and with a sensation of pity at the young man who though scarcely thirty-one might have passed for forty he was so pale and careworn while his clothes were threadbare and shining in places and hung upon him loosely but at this cordial greeting there was a wonderful transformation and archie's face grew almost boyish in its expression and there was a moisture in his eyes as he took his uncle's hands and held them while he answered the questions put to him so rapidly remembering at last that it was his duty to reprove his nephew a little the honourable john said to him i have been very angry with you for your hasty marriage was not what i could have wished it has severed you from us from lady jane completely yes i know archie replied i supposed you would not like it but my marriage was for myself and not for any one else and it has proved all you could wish 
his uncle asked regarding him steadily archie's face was very red and his lips were white as he replied daisy was very young we ought to have waited but she is beautiful and greatly admired humph more's the pity john said then after a moment's silence he continued i say archie how have you managed to live all these years i hear of you everywhere i hope you have not resorted to the gaming-table never came decidedly from archie do you think i would break my promise to my father i have never touched a card even for amusement though i have wanted to so much when i needed money sadly and saw how easily it was won at monte carlo your wife plays though john said sharply and archie replied i have nothing to say on that score except that daisy takes care of me i should starve without her for you know i was not brought up to work and it is too late now to begin though i believe i'd be willing to break stone on the highway if i had the strength yes yes i see the uncle interposed a horrible dread seizing him lest his nephew might do something beneath a macpherson unless he was prevented how much have you now how much money i mean just one shilling and daisy has ten if mrs smithers had not invited us here heaven only knows what we should have done for daisy will not stay at stoneleigh so we travel from place to place and she manages somehow archie said and his uncle rejoined and makes her name a byword and a reproach as i suppose you know daisy is my wife archie replied with a dignity for which his uncle menially respected him just then the last dinner-bell rang and rising from his seat john put his hand first in his vest pocket and then into archie's hand where he left a twenty-pound note saying rapidly you needn't tell her your wife i mean or mine either a man may do as he likes occasionally they were walking toward the house arm in arm and archie's step was lighter and his face brighter and handsomer than it had been in many a day indeed he was quite his old self as he entered the drawing-room and greeted his august aunt who received him more graciously than she had his wife just then neil came in with bessie whom he took to his mother saying look mother here is bessie didn't i tell you she was a beauty then as his mother merely inclined her head he lifted the child in his arms and held her close to the proud lips which touched the white forehead coldly while a frown darkened the lady's face for notwithstanding that bessie was so young and neil a mere boy she disapproved of the liking between them lest it should interfere with blanche but neil did not fancy blanche and he did like bessie and took her in to dinner holding her little hand while she skipped and jumped at his side and looked up in his face with those great blue eyes which moved him strangely now and which in the after-time were to bewilder and intoxicate and awaken in him all the better impulses of his nature and then become the sweetest and the saddest memory of his life it is so nice to go to dinner with big people and have all you want to eat isn't it she said to him as she settled herself in her chair and adjusted her napkin with all the precision of a grown person of course it's nice neil replied never dreaming what a real dinner was to this child who had so often dined on a bit of bread a few shrivelled grapes a fig or two and some raisins trying hard to keep her tears back when the bread was dry and scanty and she was very hungry she was very happy with neil at her side and she laughed and chatted with him and told him of stoneleigh and the white rabbit old anthony was rearing for him when he came at christmas as he had promised to do dinner being over archie who did not smoke excused himself from the gentleman who did and taking bessie with him sauntered off into the grounds till he reached the seat where he had found his uncle 
sitting down upon it and taking bessie in his lap he told her of his good fortune and showed her the bank-note oh i am so glad the child exclaimed for now we are real and not impostors are we not in the sense of not having any money he replied but there was a sad anxious expression on his face as he looked down upon the little girl beside him and thought of the future and what it might bring to her bessie he said at last how would you like to live at stoneleigh altogether and not be travelling about oh i'd like it so much bessie said but i am afraid mamma would not she hates stoneleigh it's so dull but you and i might live there you would be my little housekeeper and i could teach you your lessons archie said conjuring up in his mind a vision of a quiet home with bessie as his companion if daisy did not choose to stay with him she could go and come as she liked he thought and then and there he decided that his wandering life was at an end the next day the party at penryn park was increased by mr and mrs burton gerald from boston very nice americans especially the lady who might pass for an englishwoman mrs smithers informed her guests yes i know them or rather i know their son gray the young cub who thrashed me so last fourth of july when we were at melrose neil exclaimed but he's not a bad fellow after all and we grew to be good friends i hope he is coming too but gray did not come as the reader will remember for his mother made it a kind of punishment for his quarrel with neil that he should remain in london while she visited at penrith park where she met with lady jane macpherson whom she admired greatly and with daisy whom she detested for the bold coquetry which manifested itself so plainly after the arrival of lord hardy that even mrs smithers sense of propriety was shocked and she began to look forward with pleasure to the day when her house would be freed from the presence of this lady the month of august was the limit of the visit and daisy would have gone then had there been any place to go to except stoneleigh but there was not no friendly door was open to her she could not return to london and she would not go to stoneleigh so she resolved to remain where she was until lord hardy returned to his country seat in ireland and then she would go there and take archie and bessie with her to carry out this purpose she began suddenly to droop and affect a languor and weakness she was far from feeling for she had really never been better in her life and archie knew it and watched her with dismay as she enacted the role of the interesting invalid to perfection a little hacking cough came on with a pain in her side and finally to mrs smithers horror she took to her bed the last week in august unable to sit up but overwhelmed with grief at her inability to travel and fear lest she should be a burden upon her hostess and outstay her welcome never dreaming that it was a farce to gain time mrs smithers made the best of it and saw guest after guest depart until only the welsh macphersons remained and she was longing to get away herself to the north of scotland where she was due the middle of september fortunately lord hardy went home sooner than he had intended and wrote to daisy and her husband that his house was ready for them and then the invalid recovered her strength rapidly and was able in three days to leave penryn park and travel to ireland with archie who had fought hard to return to stoneleigh and begin the new life he had resolved upon but daisy knew better than to go to hardy manor without him and she persuaded him to go with her and then to paris from which place she made a flying visit to monte carlo where she met with such success that she did not greatly object to spending the holidays at stoneleigh whither they went just before christmas it was at this time that archie received his aunt's letter offering to take little bessie and bring her up as a sensible useful woman 
for a moment archie's heart leaped into his throat as he thought of emancipating his child from the baneful influence around her but when he remembered how desolate he should be without her he said i cannot let her go upon one point however he was still resolved he would remain at stoneley and keep bessie with him nothing could change that decision daisy would of course go where she pleased he could not restrain her and as many englishwomen did travel alone on the continent she might escape remark in that respect and be no more talked about than if he were with her at first daisy objected to this plan it was necessary for her to earn her living she said and the least archie could do was to give the support of his presence but archie was firm and when in february daisy started again on her trip which had for its destination monte carlo and genoa archie was left behind with his twenty-pound note which he had not yet touched and with bessie as his only companion End of chapter five